welcome to this, the seemingly monthly podcast about Dragon Ball, but we are always here with an important message in a more laid-back manner than you might expect. So join us as we are musing about the content of Dragon Ball here, up on the lookout. who don't know, Up on the Lookout is a Dragon Ball podcast with a difference. We are not here to ram down facts and figures down your throat like power levels and such, but we are here just to provide a general insight into this world that Toriyama created, and Toyotaro is continuing, and not being quite sure about what he's doing. Joining me as usual is my sidekick Havrock. Hello, I am the Warrus. Yes, and indeed I am the Eggman, especially if you've been playing Among Us recently, but... The main subject for today, we are pretty much going to be going straight into because I think this is probably the biggest chapter of Dragon Ball Super that has been going since the manga began five years ago. And that is chapter 65. So we're not even bothering with the little audio jingle here. We're going straight into the meat and potatoes of this. Oh, I will say actually, I will say actually, if you do want to become a caretaker of The Lookout to help support the actual podcast itself, you can check out mossico.cc slash lookout and then you can get more information and then get a shout out on this very podcast. But again, (laughs) chapter 65. Um, I don't know whether people actually were aware of this, but I usually tout Viz Media, their Shonen Jump platform and portal, to get the manga legitimately of Dragon Ball Super. But while I was writing the review for it yesterday, it crashed. I've never seen that happen before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like I was lucky enough to, you know, to be able to read it in one one sitting. But I heard, I like, I saw people on Twitter complaining about this. So I was like, ooh, that's one, that's one hot of a chapter. And I think one thing we both can agree on: uh, this chapter has been proven to be better than we thought it would be. Yes, definitely, because. The reason why Havrock and I, we don't talk about, we don't, and um, we don't do spoiler videos about these chapters is because it's too early to say. It's, you're getting only part of the information. I mean, the initial spoilers for this chapter focused on the first eight pages. And there's a lot more that happens in the latter half. And there are like 50 pages in these, in these chapters. So you're only getting a fifth of the story. There's plenty that can easily happen in these tomes. And quite clearly, there was a twist which did save the chapter for many people. But it did get results. And it does make me think in a way, is this deliberate? Is this basically something that Toriotaro is deliberately doing to generate hype? Realising that this is how the internet works. You get people outraged, they share their outrage, it gets people's eyeballs on the manga... And then people see it and go, oh, actually, that wasn't so bad a chapter. I am very cynical. I am very much aware of that. But if he's doing that, I don't know if it's a good strategy. I mean, it's a good strategy to attract readers, but I don't know if it's a good strategy for the overall quality. Because even in that nicer stuff, there is still some still some questionable decisions. And like, I actually have a very, very long thought about this chapter. So well, this is what it's here for. So you know how uh, you have, uh, like, many media today are giving their characters the adaptive uh, intelligence when they are 
too smart when they aren't supposed to be, where Goku has uh, uh, adaptative or adaptional stupidity. This uh, this chapter is taking a lot from Cell Saga, and like it's uh, like you cannot argue about that. It's 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 unapologetic, but the problem is that in the Cell Saga itself, Goku is the one to prompt Gohan to finish Cell, mm. and suddenly he's like. Oh, I don't know, Moro. Maybe you can be a good guy and train and fight with me. I know that you know, like uh, Toyotaro, and 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 uh, his editor, his editor, like they talked about uh, how you know uh, a word play with uh, with Ultra Instinct. How it's kind of yeah that selfish part in here but my biggest issue in that is that i want to see like if they are going the route of making goku stupid acknowledge it in the in the next arc acknowledge it in the uh in the story like make people being worried about this like like okay he's he's dumb but the most frustrating thing is not that Goku is stupid. The most frustrating thing is that they will, oh, Goku, you are just silly. You are just too good. You just believe that he has good in himself. No. Like, you know what should happen after Moro is beaten? Goku should get a big fruity punch, but not from uh, Beerus, not from Whis, not from, uh, we'll b- go back for uh, two weeks later, not from Vegeta, from Krillin. Ooh. And from respect of, from, you know, respecting Krillin, Goku won't dodge that punch. To me, you can do su- such interesting story arc with that, w- with people being, Goku, what's happening with you? Like, you can make it that it's ultra instinct, making him acting like that, wanting to fight, you know, like subverting his mind into being that fighting machine. Because I tell you you right now, him taking uh, the beans from Krill without even asking was disrespectful. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is one difference from the Cell Saga, because basically, you know, in that, Goku was just basically saying... Hey, Krillin, do you mind if I have a Sensu Bean? And Krillin was immediately, Sensu Bean! As in, like, thinking it was for Goku. But this time, Go- Goku's just like, I'll be taking these. What? What? But Krillin didn't even get a chance to go ask him why. And uh, and to me, it's like, okay, they are, they are dumping him down because, like, you know, Goku is dumped in this chapter only because we can have that narrative. And that's a shame. A lot of people say that, you know, that, oh, you, you know... Uh, we hope that Moro will be cunning uh, and not like resorting to the same thing as the same villain. But I think, like, if you reread the chapters, he's extremely, extremely cunning. And I would say he is a variant of Perfect Cell, but unlike Perfect Cell, he is a villain that adapts to every situation that looks uh, to be lost. And unlike with Perfect Cell, and we both love Perfect Cell on this channel. Like, we both love him. The Nucleus thing was such a massive BS and coming out of nowhere. And here you have Moro 
reacting on situation. He's like, okay, this uh, Mirus guy knew that whole Ultra Instinct thing, and I still have my hand intact. I will take it. Okay, my body is uh, trying to, you know, uh, is it, it, rejecting the power. So I, I just need some something that can take the power. Oh, look, a planet. And the planet that this fool wants to protect. I will use that instead. Like, people say, Moro through a tantrum, but to me, more importantly, Cell, uh, uh, Semi Perfect Cell, I don't think Semi Perfect Cell himself knew about that, uh, the nucleus thing at this point, and he just wanted to spitefully go down. Moro is a survivor, and like he didn't connect it with Earth to blow it up, he did connect it with Earth so he can continue existing. Yeah, exactly. He knew that basically, I. He had a feeling that they're not going to blow this planet up and this is very important to them because it's very true because Cell Cell had the DNA of King Cold in there as part of his makeup, which gave him that belief that he is the superior being because that's what King Cold was all about. He believed that he was the most superior being in all of the galaxy, right? Yeah. He basically had this self-belief that he was the absolute best in all of existence. Whereas Moro doesn't necessarily have that. He knows he's powerful. He knows he has all this magical powers and abilities. But at the same time, he knows when he's on the on the back foot. He knows he has some sort of awareness that he is going to lose. But as you say, he then recognizes that, oh wait, he puts two and two together. Moro is not dumb. Moro is incredibly smart, probably one of the most intelligent villains in the entirety of Dragon Ball, right? Yeah. So he saw the hand. He saw, okay, my hand's intact and the jewel is intact. And wait, I touched Mirus just for a, a microsecond before he got chopped off. So he thinks, if I can just transmogrify my arm and just combine and fuse, because he can, like, obviously fuse his body together... He just reattaches his hand and then boom, it, everything fixes itself. And there you go. It's very clever in that sense of like, but it, it, I'm sorry, it was a little bit, it was a little bit convenient. Just, oh, this one little thing, bit of land that just neatly, very tidily has the hand on it. But tell me that's not Dragon Ball. Like, it's very Dragon Ball. Come on. It is very Dragon Ball. I mean, it would have been much more convenient if it was like, well, okay, it would have been a bit more realistic if it was just in the corner somewhere, the hand just, like, propped up against some rocks or something like that. It just, like, been blown away in all of the crossfire and stuff like that. That would have been a bit more organic, but... Unlike the nucleus thing, which which I can appreciate, this didn't come out of nowhere. This was, like, you can spot it, like, before, that the hand is there, and people speculated about this for for months, with, I f which I think is another credit towards it. Yeah, we did do... We were doing that, too. Again, again like, to me... The biggest problem is that they could play out this in many different ways. Like, they could have Galactic Patrol wanting to arrest Moro alive, you know? Uh, he might have I, I, I ambushed Krillin. I know that this, this would be taking, you know, uh, Krillin as a hostage again, but, like, making Goku into that and... 
really, really not following with that. Like, if they don't follow with everyone being angry at Goku, that's going to be incredibly, incredibly weak because... Listen, you can have an amazing storyline when Beerus and Whis decide to seal Goku's power because he's uh, he's unworthy anymore, because he's dangerous and he needs to go on a journey of self-discovery again, which would be like, you can make a great nostalgic journey with that, you know? Yeah. Now, that could be good because like Whis could have the ability... The thing is, though, they've kept Whis deliberately mysterious, as in, like... You don't know the full extent of an angel's powers, and that's for good reason. Because that means the writers can basically do whatever they want, and the audience won't really question it. You know, they won't, they're not going to get really, really analytical about it, or as much as with other characters. So Whis could basically come up to Goku and say, I don't think you're worthy of this power anymore, or at least not right now. I am going to lock your powers away until you actually learn how to use them responsibly. Because in this chapter, and this is something I said in my main review, that Whis is now getting impatient. And he uses the line, if you intend to, uh, if you intend to defeat Moro, kill him this instant. Backing him into a corner past this point is unwise. So basically, he straight up told Goku, yeah, if you are actually planning to be doing this tomorrow, then get on with it. And this is Whis here, who is probably one of the most relaxed characters. Yeah. My freaking brother sacrificed so you can defeat this guy. And I think that was like, like, like angels don't show emotion, but like, I can only imagine how he feels about Goku doing that. It's something pretty laudable, like a pretty noble for an angel who's not really supposed to care. I mean, Whis doesn't fully understand it, but he does understand it somewhat. Like he did something pretty brave and he followed through on his beliefs. So that's something justifiable. And then you look at page 42, no, 43, and you see like, you know, Jarko terrified, Krillin, like, what the? Beerus is like, huh? Yeah, isn't curious. Whis is just like, you dumb, dumb, dumb mortal. Like, Whis looks pissed. So that it, that just sums it up in a nutshell, that Whis is pretty much just like, oh my god, I can't believe you've done this. Yeah, like, like Whis is done with, with Goku at this point, and I really wanted to go somewhere and to make it like, to make their, at least for a bit, to make their relation deteriorate after this, like to to cause a rift between the two. Yes. And in turn, this leads to end of Z. That this could be a plausible thing that this is why Beerus and Whis are not around the end of Z. And I know a lot of people do think that we're being overly analytical about those three episodes at the end of Z, but... Based on all the stuff that we know, they are fully intending to keep those three episodes in law, as in they're not planning to, uh, like, uh, retcon them anytime soon. That's not in their intention. So the end point of Dragon Ball Z, and in theory Super, is still intact. It's just a case of, well, how do you explain not using Super Saiyan Blue? And I know that people are going to say, oh, well, Super Saiyan Blue wasn't around at the time. But there's no mention or no acknowledgement, but we know that Oob still exists. So this is the thing, is that we need to find out what is this point where Whis and Beerus start to 
doubt that Goku is worthy of having this power. I mean, Vegeta is much more worthy because he uses his power and he's more resourceful with it. But Goku, the one that they've been really championing, is they got it wrong. And, you know, Whis just goes, so it's come to this. As in, like, really? Have we... Why has it come to this where basically Moro has been allowed to do what he wants and basically just rule the roost? But I guarantee you that in chapter 66, because we've had um, recent news, uh, courtesy of the Twitter user DBS Hype, that the new arc will be starting in at the very earliest in December. So in chapter 67 will be the beginning of the new arc. So there is one more chapter of this being wrapped up. And in theory, it has to be a very, a very quick ending. I mean, at this point, uh, sorry, at this point, I think Force Spirit Fusion is obvious. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's going to be Vegeta going like, I'm back, bitches! And then just like, and then he just literally just punches the ground because in theory, Moro has become the planet. So all he has to do is basically punch the Earth and you know, absorb the power so that bees Moro's body has to defuse with the planet because he's not strong enough. Or he basically just withers up and then they either have to kill him and B- Vegeta's the one to do it. You know what I'm wondering about? Sorry, because like he still has some of the people that 7-3 has absorbed. Can he defuse this energy from the 7-3 part? Can he defuse 7-3? And if, if so, can he like create a copy of Mirus out of this power? Can he like get some power? This crossed my mind. This crossed my mind. Yeah, this crossed my mind too. And a lot of people were getting really jaded. Say, oh, let me guess. Does this mean that Mirus is somehow still alive and that he gets to live through Moro? Like, I, I don't want that. I don't want that to happen. I mean... Unless we will have, you know, evil version of Mirus. That could be- oh, I mean, it's just like... I I don't know. I I, I Miris's sacrifice was extremely noble and very defining and Goku needs to understand consequence. So Miris is ending up still alive. It completely negates that and Goku thinks, "Oh, thank God I got away with that." As in like he got away with it. Again. Please, we cannot have Goku getting away with stuff yeah. like this. Again, again, if you know anyone, you know, connected to the manga listens to this guys, you like if you are going to do this with Goku, you need to punish the character because as a protagonist he stops being believable. Nobody claims that Goku needs to be perfect, but the most annoying thing is him getting away with stuff. Yes, absolutely. I mean, this needs to have some sort of significance that Miris did something really, really major and Goku has to honor it and make sure that Miris's sacrifice wasn't in vain. But at the moment, it seems like it absolutely was in vain. Basically, Miris put his trust way too much in Goku to be, you know, yeah, responsible with it. I mean, and it also goes to show that, yeah, Mastered Ultra Instinct is very, very powerful indeed. But can it be trusted? At the moment, no. I mean, Ultra Instinct Sign or Omen, maybe. He has still some sort of, you know, consciousness in that form. But in this form, no. He's so cocky. Yeah, he's so cocky in this power. Like, like again, and that might be the downside of the power. Every, like, like 
many problems that we have with this chapter can be, you know, can be uh, solved with a simple acknowledgement, embracing not only the good stuff, but also the bad stuff. Because, again, here's the thing, like, like Goku was never a Superman type, and, and, and that's not the annoying thing. The annoying thing is how you know, the characters worship him despite him making some really, really stupid mistakes. Mm. He done goofed, and and that means all of the people aren't going to be taking it anymore. That's the thing. Goku needs to be made aware of that, and so far, he hasn't been. It's just something that really is just really getting on people's nerves now. And in the comments of our review video, um, it was basically people were getting sick and tired of Dragon Ball. It's turning people off. and. Yeah, despite the fact the chapter ended up not being as bad as people feared it might be, it still alienated a lot of fans. And I'm, I'm sorry, I think Unreal Gaming made a comparison that basically Cell in total had four transformations. So he had imperfect, semi-perfect, perfect and super perfect. Now, but Miras contributed to that change. He now, that's super perfect Cell. Basically, it's super perfect Moro. Nostalgia, nostalgia. You like nostalgia, right? Here's more nostalgia. There you go. And yeah, nostalgia's good, but you need to innovate. And but the thing that what makes it complicated is that Toyotaro has sort of innovated in that using the idea of a planet, Moro becoming one with the planet Earth. Yeah, that is something visually spectacular and it's something different. It's enough to make people not be fully aggravated with this chapter. So, okay. I'll give them that. I, I still like like I I think I still agree with with I I think it was uh, Scott Kaiser who like wrote wrote this on on Twitter that uh, that like Planet Moro is probably one of the most Toriyama things we got in a while. It's very like it is goofy, but at the same time like the, uh, or floor floor Moro as people call it, but. It is very Toriyama. Like I can imagine Toriyama doing things like that, you know. And and, and like I I'm not mad about that. I I still think he would be even creepier if he was if he had his go ghost note and it was like you know a proper proper goat ca- cave of wonders. And again, I'm not mad about this. I think I think it's it's kind of cool. But the problem is that. It's also problem with you know with when you look at the fan base of you know of well uh, established you know property like like, like like I'm not saying that oh it's not it's not their fault because it's it's totally is, is their fault but when you when you look at the fandoms like sometimes you know the, the continuation works just fine. With Super, there is the problem because there are people who want totally new things. There are people who are fine with rehashing the same thing over and over and over and over again. It's it. Uh, 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 you you need to somehow sell it to the children. The manga is aimed at older uh, readers because it's more violent. So. If you are doing it more violent, why don't make it more mature in other ways, as in writing? I said it many times that I think that the biggest problem with Toyotaro is that he never went past uh, past the fanfic stage. 
and that uh, he may he, like he might improved in gra- visual sense a bit, but like he's still very much a fanfic writer, and uh, and he doesn't quite understand understand payoffs. Like the moral arm thing was kind of a payoff, but he doesn't understand. You know, like paying off for something that was built up in in the beginning. You know, he doesn't quite like he doesn't got the basics. Like he jumped from very amateur way of writing straight to professional, and he never he never tried to get through in between. You know, I I will agree with that because it's a case of like. With the idea of a fan fiction writer, and this is what we have to deal with a lot of the time, is that we cannot innovate because if we do innovate or try something new, people will say, oh, that's not Dragon Ball. So we have to be very we have to be very mindful of keeping things within the law, unless we're doing an April Fool, what if, of course. Uh, we basically just have to work with what we've got and try and work around things that are in keeping with what we are used to in Dragon Ball. But we, uh, with Toyotaro, the shackles are free. He can do that. He can come up with something new because he has the blessing of Toriyama, who can in turn give him notes. So there are sources straight from the original creator where Toyotaro is being given complete carte blanche to go, hey, if you've got an idea, why don't you do it? Because people will accept it much more so than Fanfit, but Toyotaro can't quite do it. He doesn't feel confident enough to be able to come up with brand new things all the time when it comes to story beats. In terms of adding new characters, vertical integration with species and worlds that we already know, yeah, he can do that. Yeah, he he's good at that. Like with the Ardratians, that's fantastic. With Pibara, that's been a huge, huge addition to the lore of Dragon Ball, which has been really positive and stuff that we've used in our what-ifs. To great effect. It's such a big thing. That that that's one of the big pluses of this arc, the Yardratians and Pibara. But when it comes to the plot and giving characters other than Goku something to do and all that stuff, he's not quite there. He's not confident enough and he does not have enough conviction to be able to say, This is what I want to do with this series, and I'm gonna stick to it, and you guys are gonna go along with this. And I will take responsibility if it's bad. He just goes, I, 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 I can't break away. He can't fully break away. It's such a shame because it seemed like this arc was his primarily, Toyotaro's. And for definitely up to chapter 60, it was going great. Like this was, people were debating, is this the best arc of, of Dragon Ball ever? Or at least of, at least from Dragon Ball Z onwards. Arguably, yes. But the last few chapters have just been a bit elongated. Uh, deliberately so and Vegeta's thing oh it, it didn't go anywhere unless next chapter it happens there I, I mean it had to at this point it had to it has to it definitely has to because otherwise if it doesn't it's pointless it, it, it just it's it just pointless like like, like you know like honestly it's it just pointless if, if if they don't do this it's 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 what what's the point of giving Vegeta all of this power other than just, oh, well, we didn't know what else to do with him, so uh, he goes to Yard Rat yeah, for a few chapters? For the most of the chapter, Goku was uh, in the background. Like, we were focused more on the other characters. And suddenly we toss him in, and, and, and because he's Goku and he has to take 
and he takes uh, has to ta- take you know uh the lead like like we actually have discussion coming this this week when we are recording about why goku isn't that great of a protagonist anymore and i think this chapter is something that proves that goku doesn't work anymore on on, on those levels of powers and again like i will tell you something uh, really really important even if that arc won't end on the down note where do you come from the, go from there with punching literal planet eater turning into a planet like like you need new leads because the power levels are starting to be ridiculous what will they start punching punching each uh, themselves through time like you know will we have uh, gogeta broly fight be a normal thing you know yeah yeah I mean, the only way that I can see them actually doing something creative and different is to actually finally go to Universe 6. Spend some time on Sadala. That's what is going to be welcomed, because people want that. You need to have some sort of thing which is completely alien to Universe 7 in Universe 6 with Kaba, Kalipla, and Kale. That will generate a lot of hype. Especially, oh, are you going to have Super Saiyan 3 Kalifla? Oh, yes, please. Kaba going Super Saiyan God. Yes, we definitely want that. And at the same time, at the same time, you can have plot B in Universe 7 with humans and other characters like thwarting Frieza's plans or something. Yeah, exactly. You can have a mini arc with, oh, Goku and Vegeta are off at Universe 6. Oh, the rest of everybody else has to then deal with Frieza trying to be opportunistic. And then proving that either Gohan's training has actually proved something or somebody else rises up. Yeah, like, like again, again, you, you can do cool stuff, but we are getting to the point when, when, you know, like when Goku is not a believable protagonist anymore, and especially like he says that he never fought some someone as strong. Like, like, you know how much above Jiren or even Broly Moro is at this point. Like, 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 like. like He's leagues above those guys right now. I mean, Broly's not that far away, but he is still stronger than Broly. But you feel like Gogeta Blue could stop Moro. He could. but I mean, with Broly, that was like a cakewalk. Gogeta Blue was toying with him. So you feel like it would at least be a very equal fight. Maybe with Gogeta slapping the slight upper hand, but we don't have that. And I almost kind of was like, you know what? We, I prefer that than having Mastered Ultra Instinct Goku, to be honest. And I don't like Dragon Ball Super Gogeta. I don't like that version. I prefer the Fusion Reborn version, because that's such a distinctive version. Because I'm thinking, no, this is just a palette swap of Vegito that we've got. And yeah, I prefer Gogeta, but I don't like this Gogeta. And it's only just because there, there is no difference between the two fusions anymore. It's like, what method of fusion do you have at the time? You still end up with the same combination. But anyway, let's get to our closing thoughts. I think our closing thoughts for this would be like, it's not the worst chapter of this arc. It's not. And as we've said many times, and I'm sure that other sources have said, the entire chapter is okay. It's just Goku dragging it down. Everything else, good. Everything else was good. And I like the fact that Krillin, Jarko, Whis, 
they were basically starting to get very... Beerus. Yeah, and Beerus. Beerus to a lesser extent. Because Beerus usually complains a lot of the time anyway. Yeah, so yeah. It's le- right. it, that's, less, that's less surprising with him. But with Whis, Krillin, Jarko, they're all getting angry at Goku. And the only way you can actually have it is that, as you said, have. Krillin needs to be the one to say to Goku, what the hell are you doing? You almost risked the planet. And this needs to ha- this this would be the most effective at getting through to Goku. That his best friend is telling him, "What's wrong with you?" I don't know who you are anymore. Yeah, and that needs to be the most effective. And okay, Whis is a close second because at the moment Whis is the strongest person that Goku knows on the on the daily. And if Whis is telling him, "Look, I am getting very concerned about you, Goku. What's going on?" And Whis could still probably put him in check, but, you know, I bet even Whis is now starting to think, how long can that last? With the potential that Goku has, he might start troubling Whis, at least making him having to try, whereas Whis has never had to try it in his life, ever. But now he might. Just that slight possibility is enough to give cause for concern for Whis and all of the angels. Food for thought there. And as you said, it could easily lead to Whis capping Goku's power and only letting him have it as a last resort. That could be that could be a way of bringing the stakes down a bit, as in like stopping power creep, as in like literally Goku cannot use it. How about Whis putting this power that if Goku ever tries to use that Master Doctor Instinct power again, the same thing that happened with Mirus, basically the cosmos going, nope. So basically, that could be that could be really effective. That wouldn't stop Goku. Like, like, like you know, Goku. Like Goku fighting is uh, at the first place. He was like, yeah, like okay, I, 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 I will vanish fighting. No, he needs to turn it off. I think like like it, it's a cool idea, but but for more selfish character in terms of their own survival, not Goku. Goku would gladly be erased uh, while fighting. I no, but the, diff- the difference this time being is that the cosmos would erase him from existence entirely. No coming back in the other world. Nada. Absolutely nothing. His existence is completely gone. I don't think he's concerned. I, I, like, I don't have that much faith in Goku that he would be concerned about this. But it's more narratively speaking in terms of shocking the audience. This is that shock value. As in like, if you do this, you will be erased. As in, and yeah, and Goku could say, I don't care about that. You know, that he can say that all he likes until the cows come home, but that's enough to make the audience go like, "Oh, okay, all right, there is some kind of there is some kind of peril here, some sort of a peril, or as as much peril as you can get, you know." But I think that that I think that's what will round round up wrapping this up because you know, chapter not as much of a lost cause as we initially thought, but. Goku was a liability here. Yeah. Um, Lesson of the day, guys, don't give, don't give Senzu beans beans to evil ramen men, please. Krillin needs to put them in a in a lock in a locked uh, locked bag. Really, he needs to have a fanny pack because fanny packs are back in now. So yeah, definitely needs that. But anyway, thank you all so much for listening to this special Up on the Lookout review of Dragon Ball Super Chapter 65. Hope you all enjoyed it, and I hope you're staying safe. And if you'd like to help support the podcast, you can go to massacre.cc slash lookout for more information. Until next time, everybody, I hope you're all having a good day, and we shall hear you or see you again soon. Ta-da! Bye-bye!